Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. You know, all week long, we've made good decisions. We've made bad decisions, every single one of us. But right now, you're tuned into the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And that means you're ending the week on a really high note. We've got a lot of stuff to cover today, and we're going to start. We're going to jump right in. We're in the studio with Scott Vanderberg and Chris Harkema from Vanderwall Brothers. Guys, thanks for being here. Yeah, good morning. Our thanks pleasure. for having us. Now, Scott and Chris, why don't you first just take a minute to introduce yourselves to the listeners, and then I, you know, really quickly just give us an understanding of what Vanderwall Brothers itself is. Greetings, all. My name is Scott Vanderberg. Been at Vanderwall Brothers for about three years, but I've been in the building and trades, hardscape industry for about 18. So it's a passion of my life. Enjoy being there, work with your brick, block, stone, landscape customers. Hi, yeah, good morning. Thanks for having us on. We really uh, appreciate being here. Um, Again, my name is Chris Harkema. Um, I'm the sales manager here at Vanderwall. Been in the industry for probably 30, 35 years. I work in more of the commercial side of the business, uh, build schools, commercial buildings, et cetera. So thank you. Well, thanks for being here. Vanderwall Brothers, what do you guys all do? I mean, we've hit some of it, but kind of... Well, Vanderwall uh, Brothers uh, started uh, with grandfather, third generation, now sold to our new owner, Kurt, who we, we currently work for. 100-year-old company. Mm-hmm. Been around for a long time. Um, we've expanded from Spring Lake into Grand Rapids. We do uh, commercial manufacturing of concrete masonry units, uh, SRWs, segmented retaining walls, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. Pavers, brick, real stone, manufactured stone. So a lot of a lot of uh, masonry building products. All right. One make. thing to add to that is if you drive through West Michigan, many of the buildings that you'll go into or see are part of Vanderwall Brothers as far as the brick and the block. All right. And fireplace and stuff like that, because you have another well, component, right? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You see that I I come and con- work on the uh, construction product side, but we do have a whole other part of the business, which is a very large part of the business, is the fireplace side. So uh, we have different people that manage that. Dan and Kurt manage that more directly. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. Kurt was on the, in the studio um, on the show maybe a few months ago, and that's what we focused on Correct. with him. So Correct. He, you guys cover a lot of stuff. We do. And we do. what we wanted to get into today was basically talking about outdoor spaces it's a huge category. Where do you want to go with this? What kind of things are covered when we're talking about an outdoor space? Sure. We could start with your outdoor space. Sometimes customers get that confused. They think of uh, basically landscape. The outdoor space is, I would look at it as an addition that's put onto a customer's home. It's additional living space that's a pretty much a lot more cost-effective than redoing a complete bathroom or a kitchen. And many times, uh, compliments of COVID, people are spending a lot more time in their backyard. So it's a very, very important category. That's very interesting to say that because we look at the data throughout the country. Um, we're seeing a huge switch by 20, 30% of the people wanting more outdoor space. Mm-hmm. And specifically uh, in a very uh, lounge area, as well as turning into an outdoor kitchenette, they they don't want to they don't want to cook inside anymore. They want to be outside because they they live at home, they work at home now. Uh, they need that break from being inside the house. So, and we all know the number one place that people spend time is the kitchen, 
in their home. So now we're just transitioning part of that, or we can help transition. What I want to know is, can we get a sink outside? Because when I'm in the kitchen, most of the time is spent at the sink washing dishes. Yeah. I'd love to do that outside. That would feel a lot better. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's well, probably... just get to carry them into the sink. <laughs> okay, okay. So that's how <laughs> this yes, works. Yes, we, right. we, we can put sinks out there. Too. Oh, really? You could. I'm yep. sure that's not yep. terribly practical, but at least I could do my dishes outside. All right, so we're talking about... That kind of a thing. It's not just our landscaping. Is this right. what a difference is? I see the phrase or the word hardscapes versus landscapes. Is this what we're doing? We're making a distinction here with We that? are making a distinction. So hardscapes is what we're talking about. Correct. There's a confusion that we see in the industry. Customers come in and they say, I need to redo my landscape. And you have to ask questions because uh, they think of a landscape. It could be as simple as someone who cuts grass or puts fertilizer down. But the industry that we're in is more hardscapes, and that is what a customer would walk on, what a customer would feel and touch, perhaps like a retaining wall, perhaps their pavers, patio, uh, front sidewalk, things like that. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's talk about what you guys are seeing current trend-wise. What are people doing You know, right now? We, we've kind of hit around it, but let's get specific. What are you seeing? Well, what I've been starting to see is a lot of indoor, outdoor um, uh, sitting areas where we have a... a see-through fireplace we have a fireplace inside as well as you can walk out and it attaches right to the back and you can you can really service both sides of that fireplace more of a lounge area um, that's kind of the business that i've been seeing but i get into more of the commercial side of the business as well we see a lot of uh, restaurants putting outside sitting areas in lounge areas so that's that's kind of the direction what i see every day in addition to that we're seeing compliments of television and industry. Shows like uh, Backyard Takeover and Backyard Builders are really pushing the industry. Customers are wanting more and more in their backyards. They want to create that space that they feel very comfortable in. We're seeing trends as far as uh, different colors, different textures, uh, block sizes. Different colors. What are, sure. what are we talking about when we say different colors? Yeah. I Typically... Mean, the older color was more of your red clays and smaller block. And now things are trending towards your cooler colors and sizes. Yeah, a lot of times we've been seeing a lot of grays, light grays with a with a hint of brown in, in the paver market. We've gone from a standard uh, uh, four by eight paver that you see in the in the a lot of driveways or streets to a lot quite a bit bigger mixed pattern stuff. So we're seeing it. What kind of material? We can we actually see it mostly in concrete. Okay, mm -hmm. in a concrete paver uh, product. We also we do see some clay, but we're transitioning into also blue stones and travertine. So, so those depending on the budget and the size, those uh, those shapes, colors, and textures get to change. So, all right, correct. Yes. Like uh, the clay pavers that Chris mentioned, those have been very popular for years. Mm -hmm. Very durable as well. If you look at your city streets, perhaps in Grand Haven, you, under Grand, Grand Rapids, you'll find clay pavers on the ground still, and those are 100 years old. Mm -hmm. You can get more creative with concrete, though, different sizes, different shapes, different mm -hmm. colors. Clay, you're pretty much limited to what comes out of the ground, which is your earth tones and reds. All right. So people are creating these spaces, lots of kitchen. I mean, is that is that the biggest yeah, thing? That's, that's kind of what you were, we're saying, right? We're doing a, a major remodel right now in our in our showroom, and uh, we took out a bunch of outdoor hardscape products. We moved it outside, but we're doing a full kitchenette. So uh, moving forward, probably in the next three to four weeks, you'll be able to come to our showroom and actually 
be in the kitchen that you you want to look at. Possibly. Okay, because I'm just completely. This is at least in my brain, it's out of my budget. So I ignore things that I can't afford right. because I know how I live when I see something I want, but I can't have it. So I just don't even want to look. When you're talking about an outdoor kitchen, what am I using to cook with? Is, is it a gas, well, like a, a grill kind of a thing? That's... Well, if you close your eyes, we can make your inside kitchen outside, like exactly grills, cooktops, refrigerators. refrigerators. So steaks. how is it protected? Again, I'm, I'm sure there are people going, oh my gosh, he's asking these questions. No, he's a no, moron. not at all. But how, do, how does this stuff A lot of the products that we protected? do with are stainless. Um, they'll be tucked under different tops. We, we do concrete tops, granite, quartz. Yeah. Right. You know, there, there's a lot of outdoor products. That I'm lost we, in a rabbit hole here. Do I have to haul it in in the winter? No, no. not at all. Nope. The answer is It's no. all fixed. Do people use these kitchens in the winter? Some diehards will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They got yeah. snowshoes, yeah. big fuzzy hats. You're professional well, you know, chefs, this, you're kind of The Michigan winter this last time, a lot of them were used for sure. Yeah, for sure. Pretty yeah. mild you can You can use them year-round. Mm-hmm. All right. And we can do that, you know, depending. We can put pizza ovens out there, um, wood pizza ovens, gas pizza ovens. Right. Gas fireplaces. Um, yeah. A lot of different options. Okay, so so many different options. All right, I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a break because what I want to do on the other side is talk to the people out there and kind of walk them through the process. If they're thinking that this might be interesting, what do they need to know? How can they start planning it and trying to figure out if it'll work for them? Can we do that? Can you hang with us? Sounds good. All right, we'll be back in just a minute with Scott Vanderberg and Chris Harkema from Vanderwall Brothers. Stick tight. And we're back. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And we are in the studio with Scott Vanderberg and Chris Harkema from Vanderwall Brothers. And we're talking about outdoor spaces, you know, creating those outdoor spaces. We've talked about in the beginning how this is a cheaper way, really, mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, to give yourself more living space. Let's talk about how we do it. Where do we start? If I'm sitting at home on a Saturday morning, I've got my cup of coffee, I've got a little notepad. Where do I start? We see this all the time where customers will come in, they'll uh, see it on TV, go through Pinterest, find it on the internet, and come in with a picture. So I would say the easiest place to start is just to stop in our showroom because we're connected to designers, uh, we're connected to landscape uh, installers, different suppliers, and we we have an opportunity to to show you different products. And probably the first place to start is to see what products are available in your market. Right. In addition to that, if a customer can bring their vision to us, we can really help them create that Eden as far as uh, their backyard is concerned. I remember several years ago, a lady came in, elderly lady, and she had an alley right along the back of her house. So she had a a 10-foot by 21-foot strip. And she said, I want an Eden. I want a tranquil place that I can go and I want to feel like I'm by myself. And so we were able to take and create a backyard makeover in that 10 foot by 21 foot area, put pavers on the ground. We put a a trickling water rock in there. We put a fence up to help uh, give her that solitude that she needs. So it can be something really small like that or something on a very grand scale where you're redoing a backyard that could cost $100,000. Okay. So you said, I, I can bring my vision. 
I'm going to be straight up honest. I'm going to struggle to even have a vision at this point because I, and in fact, my vision from experience is going to be pretty lousy compared to what somebody who knows what they're doing would know. So can you also help me find that yes, vision? 100%. Um, again, a lot of people that, a lot of customers that I talk to that come into the office, they have vision in, in specific pieces of their- That's what I would their, have of their uh, outdoor space or in, you know, indoor outdoor space. So I'm more the technical side. <laughs> That's where I work. Scott does a lot on the, uh, on the drawing side. He's mm, creative end, creative end of the business. So he fits really good in, in what we do. We work well together, but we can reconnect back out, either do some drawings inside, get an idea or talk to different landscape uh, designers and engineers. They'll, they'll easily do that work for you. All Take right. that vision and put it on paper. And help me come up with a good plan. Correct. And the Correct. best use of my space, because I'm Correct. not going to imagine that myself. You got it. I'm going to have a bunch of lousy ideas, and you'll have to walk me down gently so I don't... Yeah. Well, I think a lot I of times, tender too, feelings. the budgets, people people have a budget, and then, then they see um, you know different pictures, and what they're looking at is a hundred dollars to $200,000 patio. Um. And then they say, well, that's not my budget, which right. is to be expected. We all, we all live in different areas and have different budgets. So I think for us, the the simple part is say, okay, let's get the overall long-term what you want on paper, and then we can help maybe go through that in stages to fit sure. your budget. So, all right. So you can work with yeah. me largely no matter what my budget yeah, is. Yeah, for we sure. We can at least sure. get some ideas out there and start that process. Mm -hmm. If you come down to a showroom in Spring Lake, um, you're going to see well over uh, probably 60 different stone veneers that we can use outside. Uh, the outside patio has probably close to 20 or 30 different pavers that we, we currently offer. And you can see them down in, in color and in texture. We've got... Uh, I think we just installed our new bluestone right. and travertine across the front and Four a lot of steps. Yep, fire pits as well yep. that are operating that they can see as well. So that that's a great place is, is the vision because you, you don't always see the true color uh, come through in print. All right, all right. So we'll get all of the information about where you're located and all of that. I know that you guys are located. We've got um, listeners out on the east side of the state as well. You guys are located west side, right? Yeah, we're on the west side. Our main office is uh, in Grand Haven, Spring Lake, Muskegon area. Um, we have another uh, fireplace office in Grand Rapids as well. So we predominantly service the uh, southwest Michigan. Okay. Although we do have friends uh, through throughout the, the state. We have some customers that come in from, from the Chicago market, stop here. They're, they're working on another home up north. We've, we've got a lot of friends and a lot of phone calls. So if you have a project somewhere in the state, we can probably connect you with the appropriate contractor. Right. And we do have outside salespeople who can assist and go to job sites as well. Yep. All right. So what I'll do is get some of that information from you and put that in the show notes later down the road. So anybody on the east side, if this is something that's interesting to them, we can connect them with some companies For out sure. in their area For that sure. you guys feel really comfortable with. Yep. So, okay. Visiting a showroom, that's a really good place to start. You don't have to come in with a plan. You can come in 
completely oblivious to Correct. really what what's possible. Correct. And you're not going to laugh us out of the studio. No, out, out of the office. We'll help you identify no, that, what right. your that happens are. more more that you laugh people out. No. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to Good clarify because I that's knew. why he's on the design side and I'm not. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What about DIYing? some of these things how does that work with you guys are you happy to sell me the stuff and i can go put it in myself is that something that you really don't want to do no that that is a huge market for us to do it yourself and we get people in every week who are looking to uh, put pavers or do their own retaining walls i would say about three quarters of time that's successful for them sometimes like myself is you get the material home which in my case it was about 15 pallets of material I looked at it and I scratched my head and said, I don't want to do this. So I went back and uh, contacted a landscaper. He came in with his crew and was able to get it done soon. Okay. And would you guys connect us with that type of contractor if we got to the point where we're like, hey, we're over our heads here? Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Okay. Yep. There's three different tiers of this. There's a do-it-yourself tier. Then there's the, the tier where the customer has the vision. They got it on paper. They did their scratches. And they just need someone to put the materials in. We can connect with landscapers who are really, really good at the form and function. Then there's also one more tier, and that's the professional design aspect, where the customer doesn't have a clue. They need someone to design the backyard. We have landscapers who will actually lay it out with either a CAD system or pen and paper and give them a backyard makeover and on paper, which includes all their hardscapes, all their fire features, in addition to all their plantings as well. All right. So you guys will supply the materials and you can hook us up with the people to put them in place. Or do you come and put them in place for my backyard? Uh, no, we do not. Gathering no, that you we don't, we right. do not self-install on the hardscape part of our business, just in the fireplace side. But you connect us with the people and that'll be seamless. Correct. All right. Correct. What are your hours? How? When are you open? Monday through Friday. We're open from uh, 7 to 4.30 and then... Uh, Eight to noon on Saturday. Eight to noon on Saturday. In addition to the store hours, um, the outdoor showroom never closes. Mm -hmm. And it's lit up. So a customer can come by any time, evening, and take a look at all the pavers and the landscape and the hardscapes that are on the ground. We do have one of the best showrooms in West Michigan, so it certainly is worth a visit. The other thing, too, is if a customer can't make it in and needs the attention, we can certainly work by appointment as well. All right. So let's get out uh, your, your information. That showroom, where is that located? Let's start with that. For those of you who type something into your Google Maps, it's 19156 174th Avenue in Spring Lake. And phone number is 616-842-4500. All right. We'll put all of that information, the links in the show notes. Really encourage you to check it out. I mean, I like the idea of just strolling through even if you guys aren't around. I can, sure. Whenever I can get out there, take a look, maybe something jumps out at me. Maybe I can afford it. We'll find out. All right. <laughs> Chris Harkema, Scott Vanderberg, Vanderwall Brothers, thanks for being here. Our thanks pleasure. Thank us. you. Now, all right. It's time for a break. Grand Rapids listeners, you're going to get news and weather. East Side listeners, you're going to get a Repco Light Rewind. And when we all get back together, we're going to be talking about outdoor spaces that many of us already have, but which could look better. Of course, we're talking about decks, and we've got the scoop on what you need to know to make yours look great. That's all just ahead. Stick around. And we're back. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And Dan, outdoor spaces sound really cool, like I want to have one, but they also sound very expensive. I know, it's a little intimidating. <laughs> it is. But remember, we just finished talking with Vanderwall Brothers, and they talked about how they can work with any budget. 
That's right. what I got got to keep telling myself. And they talked about how you go in there and they'll help you craft a plan that's maybe a long-term. Like an incremental thing. Yes, incremental. I can do things according to my budget and get where I want to go. Yep. So, you know, we all can get there to some extent one way or the other. Just take some of us longer <laughs> <laughs> than the rest of us. But we've all, or at least lots of us, I certainly can't say all of us, but a lot of us have decks. I'm one of the ones that does not. You don't have a deck. No, I have patios. Well, see, that's pretty good too, but it's not, it's whole different prep stuff. Oh yeah, to talk about. So don't do what I'm going to recommend on a patio, on patio, patio necessarily. Patio. Right, not going to work. But we've got outdoor spaces like that, and we can get them. You know, your patio is a great outdoor space potentially. Sure. Just waiting to be turned into an amazing outdoor space. My deck could be. An amazing. Well, let's just be honest. It could be a pretty good, an adequate, an adequate outdoor <laughs> space. Good enough for me, uh, but it's not. It's not looking great, uh, and it's disappointing. The spring has not been conducive to getting these projects done. It's We've had cold and wet, cold and wet, and now it's like ridiculously dry, and everybody's yard is dead. And yeah, like the Sahara out there. And, and sometime, someday, we'll get that nice balance, and and I won't have anything to crab about. But spring really. <laughs> wasn't great for getting our decks done. A lot of us tackle those things. So that's what we wanted to talk about in this little segment here because we want everybody to have a good outdoor space. Right. If you've got a deck, we're going to walk you through some of the things you need to know to make yours look great again. And before we jump in, there's a ton of different things that we could be talking about here. Decks could go in a bazillion different directions. Right. You know, what wood do you have? Is it brand new wood? Is it Has it ever been coated before? Is it just wood that's grayed over time? Is it some exotic hardwood? We can't address every single thing. You know, no. that's what the people in the stores at any Repco Light location, they are there to help you with that. Just come in with some pictures and they will walk you through the right steps to help you get it looking great. Now, what we're going to talk about today right now are some basically generic steps. We're going to kind of focus on my deck and my situation because I think it's pretty common. Now, what I've got going on is I've got a deck product on it. I put it on a couple of years ago and winter has been unusually cruel to it. Okay. So it's pretty stained. It's pretty dirty, pretty sad. And I want to get it cleaned up. Now, I got a couple of options. If you're in that boat, there's a couple different ways you got to go. And you got to get it cleaned or you got to get it sanded before you can move on to putting a new product down. Because a lot of these products are translucent or transparent to some degree. And that wood color underneath affects that new color. The dirt that's underneath. If you don't get that off, you're going to see that and encase it. Right. And then you're going to have a problem that lasts a lot longer. It's going to look bad for a longer time. So you got to get it cleaned or you've got to sand it. We're going to talk about both of those. Getting it cleaned. Benjamin Moore has a number of different deck prep products. The basic system that most people are going to need is called Restore and Brighten. Two different products that you would need, Restore and Brighten. And Restore is made for decks that maybe have never been coated. They've just grayed. They've got that extremely weathered. Right. Extremely weathered. This will bring it back and really get it looking great again. And maybe it's had a coating like mine has for a while. But a lot of it's weathered off. Restore would be great for that. Right. Here's how you apply it. You mix it out. It's a concentrate. So you buy the gallon of it. You mix it in a little garden pump-up sprayer. Add water. You kind of work around with the the mixes until you get it exactly where you need it. Apply it to a deck that you've pre-wet with your garden hose. And then just let the cleaner sit on the boards, you know, 10, maybe 15 minutes. You don't want it to dry out. It's the big thing. Then you hit it with a scrub brush. While it's still damp. While it's still wet. Now, there are deck scrub brushes. A lot of people opt for a push broom. Because they have one in their garage. Right. 
I would recommend the scrub brush because it's actually just the way it's built, the angles right. that it has, it's it's just easier to work with. You think the push broom is going to be better? I've done it both ways. You can do it quicker. It's wider. It's not better. It, no. it just doesn't work as right. well. So the scrub brush is going to give you better results. So hit it with the scrub brush, then rinse it off. You can use a garden hose. You can use a power washer, right. whatever you need. Then you need to neutralize it. So you do it one more time, that whole process with a different product, and that's that Brighton product. Right. And that's an important step. It will neutralize the product that you put down, that first cleaner, restore that restore product. But it will also really brighten the wood. There's a noticeable difference that takes place right. when Brings you apply it brings it back that. to almost like the original color of fresh wood. Exactly. So do that, rinse it well, and then you've got to let it dry for two to three good drying days. Right. And in this weather... We've got that covered. No problem. A lot of the times, this is a struggle because people end up with, oh, it rained on the second night. Is it too wet? Well, a lot of the times it is. Right now, you're golden. You could do that. Now, Benjamin Moore has a couple other products as well. Remove and clean. Remove is, is made for basically stripping off removing a finish. Yeah, another coating. So you might need that. Clean is just a maintenance cleaner. And in fact, I mentioned my dirty deck, Yeah, the one that I didn't like anymore and I thought it needed new new product on it. Nope, it just needed to be cleaned. Uh-huh. And that's how I know the deck scrub brush works better than the push broom because <laughs> the clean applies just like we talked about with the Restore and the Brighton. Mix it up, put it on, let it sit for a little bit, scrub it around, rinse it. And yeah, I've got good enough results. It's clean enough. It's going to get me this whole year. I'm You're happy calling with it good. Yeah, I'm pretty pleased with that. Nice. So depending on your situation, there are a number of different chemicals that you can use that will get it cleaned. Right. Now we do mention, or I did mention sanding it. We've got on the west side, for west side listeners, we've got an on-floor machine. It's a, a sanding unit that you rent it out with a vacuum. So easy to control. You can go over the whole deck. It uses little deck scrub brushes. It's not like the floor sander that you might be used to seeing for an interior floor. No, it zips over the surface. It's really nice to work with, and it will give you absolutely beautiful boards to work on. It'll look almost brand new, and best of all, you can stain it that same day. Right. So get the whole project accomplished all in one day. If you are interested in renting out that machine, you can contact Peter Ogle at Repcolite. Uh, he's the one who runs that program. You can email him, Peter O at repcolite.com. Sounds like a song. Peter <laughs> O at repcolite.com. Or you can use the chat function on the website. Peter runs that as well. Right. Or you can just call any of our stores and they'll put you in contact with Peter and you can get on the schedule and, and have reserve the expert it for a help weekend. you through the project. Exactly. All right. There's a lot of other things we could get to. We really don't have time. When you get all of that done, it's time to put your product on. Swing out to any RepcoLite location. We'll walk you through the different products that are out there and help you find the best one for your situation. All right. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to be talking about mistakes that people make when choosing front door colors, and more importantly, how to avoid them. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. And we're back. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And Dan, let's talk about front door colors. Yeah. You know, we talked about painting front doors last week. Now let's talk about the colors that you're choosing, because that color really matters. You know, the front door sets the tone for the house. It's an easy way to infuse, you know, your personality into the exterior. 
on a small scale without having to buy tons and tons of paint, which we certainly advocate buying tons and tons of paint. But we don't require it because it's America and we want you to do what you want to do. But if you want to make a big impact with a small amount of paint, this is, I can't think of a better project outside. Right. It's the main focal point of the front of your home. Yeah. You know, and, and we know that. So even for people driving by, because when I drive by houses, well, at least this is what I do. And I'm making the grand sweeping assumption that everybody thinks the way I do. That is a great yeah. assumption. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> anyway, when I drive past houses, I'm checking out that front door, not intentionally even. Right. You know, I'm not Your eyes are it. just drawn to it. Exactly. That's what front doors are. That's the importance. That's the power that they have. So you want to make sure you get the color right, but there are a ton of mistakes, common mistakes that people make. All the time, Dan. According to your judgment. According to my judgment. And we want people to avoid those. So we're going to go over a bunch of different mistakes. And I don't. I have them listed as number one, number two, number three. But they don't really go in order. Right. I'm just saying that so we can understand when I move from one that I've left the previous one. Now, before we jump into that, though, a quick caveat. A front door project, painting that front door, is a really quick project. And it's very inexpensive. Right. Talking an hour, a couple hours of work. You're talking probably a quart of paint, handful of tools. So if you're going to make a mistake on any kind of, you know, design project, painting project, the front door one, that's that's might be the best one to. Right. Even though everybody can see it, it still might be a, a really good one to push the boundaries on. So a number of these mistakes are going to be about, you know, making sure you get the right color and being, you know, a little bit safe with your color. I do want to, you know, kick against those a kind little balance bit. Balance that. Right. Balance that with the idea that if you really are, are that person who wants to roll the dice and try something new, this is probably a great place to do that. Much better than doing your whole living room right. in a crazy color. Because if you hate it, you can fix it very inexpensively. So keep that in mind as we work through them. All right. First mistake. People make it all the time. They choose colors that don't fit the style of the house. Right. You know, we get lost in the idea of, you know, we find pictures online is really where the problem comes from. We fall in love with certain colors. This happens to me all the time. I'm trying to figure out where to go with my front door color. I've got a number of things that are limiting me, or at least feeling like they're limiting me. So I haven't done anything yet, but I still spend a fair amount of time looking online, trying to find some ideas and some inspiration. And I'm always drawn to these old world houses. With the stone. Oh, the... oh yes. They're amazing. They look like hobbits might live there or <laughs> right. knights or something. And the doors are glossy. You know, there's layers of paint on them, right. which I actually like. I like that old look. It just feels ancient. And bright colors. All of that I'm really drawn to. Well, the thing is, I, I live in a brick ranch and my door is steel. So... Right. I don't know that that's going to translate Correct, right. easily. Now, that's an extreme example, but it does happen a fair amount where people will pick a color or a finish or something along those lines that it just doesn't match the, the overall architecture of the house, the right. style of the house. Just keep that in mind. And keep that in mind as you're browsing around looking at pictures online, that when you fall in love with a certain color... You know, look gave, at the style of the home. And look at what's around it. Because a yeah. lot of times the material, the siding, that's all playing into our perception of that color. And just dropping that color on our space, Might it's not going to have that. completely different result. Exactly. So keep that in mind. That's one mistake. Another mistake, mistake number two, choosing a paint color just because it's trending. 
Now, this is a mistake I really think on most paint projects that that people can make. Yeah. And, you know, trends are really exciting when they come out. A new color, the color trends, color of the year, all of that's exciting. You know, we haven't seen these colors being used in this atmosphere before or in this application. You know, Benjamin Moore's color of the year is raspberry blush and really bright, pretty bold. And we don't see that used in interiors a lot. So designers were all over that. Right. You know, in fact, I was talking to a, a bunch of designers, and I was very curious why they were so in love with this color, because I couldn't get on board. You know, I still can't. I appreciate <laughs> the fact that it's pushing my boundaries, all these right. things, but it's not a color I love. And yet they were all excited. But they're excited because it's so bright and so bold and different. I said, you love this color? They said, no, not, not necessarily. What they really love, the bottom line, the reason so many designers get excited about these color trends and talk about them, from what I'm gathering from these conversations, is that they work so much in the world of white paint. They're right. designing kitchens for people, and everything is white. Cabinets are white, walls are white, everything's white. Houses. Over and over and over again. So all of a sudden, somebody comes out and says, let's go crazy with color. They're all excited. Now, they're not excited necessarily to put this all in their home. They're excited in to home, put it in maybe. your home. They're excited to work with it, right? Right. If you only worked with white fabric, if that was your job, you know, your your what did they do? They they check shirts for quality, right? Yeah. And then you put a little number in the pocket because that was your number three. If if all you ever looked at were white t-shirts, you'd probably flip out when a red t-shirt came through. Right. That's what this is all about. Do they love the red t-shirt? Not necessarily, but it's exciting. It's new. And that happens to us when we're looking at these color trends and we think, wow, I was looking for a color for my front door. Maybe this is the way to go. It's so exciting. It's so it's bold. Up and new and really up and coming. Really think about it. Make sure you can live with it over time. Uh, I remember personally lime green. I was working at the Lakewood store <laughs> in the late 90s, and lime green was like all of a sudden the thing. Yeah. And I was pumped. I was going to put that in my kitchen. I just had bought a house, and the whole kitchen's going to be lime green. Oh, my. I am so excited. I had the colors picked out, I hadn't gotten the paint yet. And because life is busy, I didn't get on it right away. About two months later, I'm ready to start, and I pull the color chip, and I'm looking at it, and I'm starting to what wonder. What was I thinking? What in the world? <laughs> yes, I hate this color. I went with the beige, you know, because that felt right at the time. Color trends come and go. They right. move even through our own minds very quickly. You know, we can love them. We can hate them. Before you jump into a color trend, make sure it's something you absolutely love. This is a color I love, and it's got staying power. I don't just love it now. I'm going to love it for time to come. But that's where that caveat from the beginning comes in. If you really want to roll the dice, it's a quart of paint and a couple hours worth of work. Right. If you don't like it, you can paint over No tomorrow. big deal, but it is a mistake that people make. Another one, choosing too dark of a color with a storm door in place. Right. Heat buildup. Yeah. People don't think about this, but that glass in there, how hot do you think that can get in between that storm door and my front door, especially if I've got a dark color on that front door? Well over 100 degrees. Oh, 150 we've degrees. We've seen the plastic melt. Yeah. It can get that hot. So you don't want to go with a dark color in those situations. Right now, you know, you look online and you, you talk to realtors and stuff like that. Black is a big oh, front door mm -hmm. color. And that can be fine if it's the standalone door for right. the most part. Put a storm door in front of it now. Oh, man, you've turned that into an oven. Yeah. And you're going to have a lot of problems. You're going to have a lot of problems. If you've got that storm door situation, you're going to want to go with a lighter color that's going to reflect some of the light coming in, not suck it in. It's not going to create quite the heat problem 
that a dark color will. So right. keep that in mind. Another one, mistake number four, choosing a front door color indoors. I don't know that we always think about this, but I know we talk about it on the show all the time. We talk about the importance of lighting when you're picking your colors. You know, people will come into the store and they'll stand at the color rack. And we've got, you know, we try to get daylight corrected um, yeah, fluorescence like light bulbs and all of and that. Stuff. But it's still, you're in a store, you're at a display, you're looking at colors. Go home and look at it in your lighting. If you've got incandescent bulbs or soft white LEDs or something like that, the color is going to look different in your space. It looks different at different times of the day even in your space. So definitely when it comes to even painting your front door, you don't want to buy that color, you know, buy that by paint. having looked at it indoors. Exactly. Whether it's in your house or wherever, you've got to look at it where it's going to go. So look at it outside and you could put all the little color chips, the little one by one color chips over your front door. You're going to need about 6,000 <laughs> and you'll cover. It take longer than the actual painting. You'll project. have to hit all the Repco light locations to get them. <laughs> You know, you could do it that way. That's kind of a dumb way to go. Benjamin Moore makes uh, color samples. samples. You know, they're half pints now. Yeah. They used to be full pint. pints. Right. Now they're half pints. And five ninety nine, So very inexpensive. You can get them in any Benjamin Moore color. And that paint inside of that is made for interior use. Right. So, so we can't actually put it on the door. Don't put it on the door, but you could paint some foam board or something like yeah. that. Hold it up and get a look at the color outside in daylight, you know, and look at it at multiple times of the day, a couple different situations, cloudy, sunny, if you can, it's going to help you understand and see what that color is going to do and give you a much better idea and much more accurate idea than just looking at color chips inside. Typically, a color will look much darker on a chip indoors than it will actually look on the surface outside. Right. Once the sun hits it, you're gonna, it's much lighter. You know, shades are really difficult to really pin down what that means, but most people have a, a perception of what that is. You're probably looking at two shades lighter outside yeah. when you're looking at it. So be aware of that. Make sure you're sampling that color. Make sure you're looking at it outside before you choose it. One last one that we've got time for, and then what we're going to do, well, I'll explain all that in a minute. So everybody's going to have to wait excitedly. What are they going to do? <laughs> they are, what do you think I they're going to do? I can hear the excitement. I bet they're going to give away a lot of money or something. <laughs> no, that's not it. Anyway, one fifth mistake that we're going to get here on air, using the wrong paint. You know, you go through all this work. You, you prepare the door. You do the work. You, you choose the color. All of that. You want to make sure you're getting the best paint that you can. It's a quart of paint. So it's this, not a lot. This is one of those projects where you can splurge. Yeah. And it's really not going to hit you too hard in the pocketbook. We'd recommend Benjamin Moore's Aura Exterior. It's excellent. Uh, they got color lock technology, which which is going to resist fading. There's still certain colors that we would say you don't want to use this outside. It's going to fade way too fast, even in Aura. But most colors, it's going to work really well, and it's going to hold that color better than a lot of other paints will. And Aura also is really well known for great coverage and hide. Right. So if you're Fewer going, coats if yeah, you're making a big color change. Absolutely, making that big color change, you want it to hide better. Aura is the way to go. Another option would be Repcolite's Endura product right. we make. We've got proprietary colorants that we put in that will also resist fading really well. It will help with the hide. Also very high strength, right. And Endura uh, is going to have an excellent price point. So both of those options would be great. Stop into a, any Repcolite, talk about what you've got going on. Bring some pictures, stuff like that. We can help you with your colors. We can make some recommendations, all of that. All we right. won't judge you. We're not going to judge you. 
Not out loud. <laughs> we won't judge you. Now, I did mention earlier that we're going to do something a little different at the end here. What that is, is we've got to wrap the show, but Dan and I have more points that we want to talk about. So if you are thinking about painting your front door, we've got more mistakes to avoid. We're going to keep talking and air that part in the podcast. But right now, for the on-air broadcast, we're going to have to wrap it up. I do want to remind everybody who's in the Birmingham area, out on the east side of the state, uh, coming up next week, we've got that front door clinic that we talked about. Stop out at our Birmingham store, and the manager there, Scott Hudgens, will walk you through everything you need to know to get your front door painted. It's a free clinic. Definitely stop out if you're in the Birmingham area. We'll have more information in the show notes, or you can just check out RepcoLite.com. All right. That's all the time we've got. We're going to wrap it up. If you want to catch this one again, you can find it online at RepcoLite.com. Whatever you do today make sure paint's a part of it. The RepcoLite stores are all open, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Dan Altina. Thanks for listening. Okay, Dan. We've got more things that we wanted to talk about, and now we don't have the pressure of time of a ticking clock. So we can go for about four hours straight. <laughs> got a bunch of water here. Should be able to make it. Now, we got through five mistakes. Uh, the, the sixth mistake uh, that I really think is important is asking for too many opinions. Oh, right. Right? We're social creatures, and many of us get nervous, most of us get nervous about big changes. And the wrong door color is really can be a big change. It's something that everybody sees. You right. know, that's something that I think is important to think about. I can mess up the color in my living room or wherever. And how many people see that? You know, the people who live in my house, the few people who visit, the people who visit. Very small numbers. Yes. The very elite here. crowd that's allowed on the <laughs> in the home. Right. But outdoors, the front door. Everybody Everyone sees, sees it. it. You know, I hate working in the yard sometimes for that reason. If I don't right. know what I'm doing, because I do the same thing. I watched somebody pull a bush out of their yard. It took them forever. They had a million tries at it, how they were going to do it. Man, we're sitting there with pop. Like entertainment. <laughs> yeah. You want to go in and watch something, Dad? No, nope. doing just fine right now. <laughs> and you judge everybody. But the front door color, you make that big mistake and everybody sees it. Yes, you can paint over it and all of that, but you got to wait till it's all ready for that repaint and you got to yeah. live with what everybody sees out there. So we want to get it right. And so what we end up doing, you know, getting back to the mistake, is we ask for help. You know, we reach out. We ask a lot of opinions. I see people do this on Facebook, social media all the time. Best front door color, go. And then they're just waiting for the feedback to come in. And the problem with the feedback, you know, it can be helpful. Not sure. Of course it can be helpful. But all too often we're flooded with opinions. You know, more choices isn't usually better. No. It, It really can muddy the waters. I'm not sure where to go. And sometimes what happens is you get more powerful personalities. I deal with that all the time that will basically talk me out of my initial idea. Right. Talk you into something that doesn't feel right to you in your gut. Yeah. And they're just stronger personalities. They believe it so completely. And I'm always hedging and wondering. Oh, okay. And well, they're pretty confident. Maybe I should just- They're smarter than me. I'm gonna, yeah. And then I regret it later. The other thing that happens when you ask too many opinions, and this one really plays out, you know, picture this. You call your mom. What color should I use? This blue or this green? And she says, definitely the green. You've got to go with the green. That's just amazing. That's the color you need. She leaves. You look at them all. Man, I'm feeling blue. <laughs> right. And you do blue. You know you're going to not want mom to visit right. for a Next long time. Right. Next time she comes over. She's going to see that. And she's going to remember. You asked for her opinion. And you disregarded it. And people, Your own mother. We, people don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. You know, you ask for my opinion. The kids do that all the time. Dad, what do you think about this for my paper? 
and you tell them, you know, here's what I would do, and this is what I think I, I think this is brilliant. And then you talk to them. I talk to them about a week later. What'd you do for that paper? Oh, I went with this completely different idea. Yeah. Well, what was wrong with mine? <laughs> <laughs> it's just awkward. So be careful right. about asking for opinions. It can really mess things up, and it can really stress you out. Right. So keep that in mind. Too Mis- much of a good thing. Too much of a good thing. Mistake number seven, choosing colors without considering your neighbors. This is kind of twofold. There's this whole thing about being a good neighbor. That's yeah. one part of this. And the other part is not being the talk of the neighborhood. You know, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the good neighbor thing first. You know, you want to pick colors that kind of play nice in the neighborhood. Sure. We've all seen houses where there's the, the sore thumb house. Right, you right. Know, where it really stands out. And you got to know the neighbors are probably a little bit annoyed. Right. Now, does that matter in the grand scheme of things? That's for everybody to decide. Again. Right. It's America. This is how it works. <laughs> but do you want to be that person? Do you want to be the thorn no, in not their side? Necessarily. Not if you don't need to be. The other right. thing that happens, and you know, this is always a delicate uh, dance in the store, but somebody will come in. That doesn't happen tons of time, but it does happen enough where somebody comes in and says, here's the front door color I, I want to use. I'm very excited about this. Oh, great. So you get ready to mix it up, and they say, yeah, the neighbor has this. Just put uh, it on, and uh. it's beautiful. Okay. See, most people are you know, pretty, they've got some ownership in that. Right. They found that color, and to have their neighbor duplicate the color, that not, doesn't feel good. Not always the best thing. If, if you're going to do that, I'd talk to them first, see how right. if they're comfortable with it. Again, you've got to do you and make it work for you. But keep that in mind. Duplicating somebody's color, even if they're down the road, if it's an amazing color, they're probably pretty proud of that. There's another amazing color that you could find that you could work with. Maybe similar. Yeah. It's kind of like naming your child the same yeah. <laughs> name as somebody else in your I family. I love that name, so I'm taking it, too. <laughs> yeah. And my kid's going to be a better one of those than yours. <laughs> so anyway, keep that in mind. Be a good neighbor. The other thing is you don't want to be the talk of the neighborhood. Just like I said, we've all driven past houses where you wonder what in the world they're thinking. What if you were the talk of the neighborhood in a good direction? Well, see, that's what you're shooting for. Right. You're shooting for that. You don't want to be the talk of the neighborhood in the what were they thinking. <laughs> so that's why you want to play nice, too. Look at the, the overall aesthetic of the neighborhood yeah. and don't go way outside of that. It right. would be a recommendation. Right. Do what you want to do. It's America. All right. L- not last one. Second to last. Choosing white if you're a normal person or a normal family. Choosing white for that front door. We see a lot of white front doors. Sure. Kind of feels like an easy, safe choice. But... It doesn't, it, well, uh, I shouldn't say it doesn't hold up. It doesn't stay clean. It gets so dirty so fast. Everything shows. If you're a normal family. Now, if you, you know, everywhere you go, you've got the little white gloves and, you know, everything is So you never perfect. use your front door. Right, right. Maybe you're fine. And maybe you love washing doors. Yeah, maybe that's a that good pastime. You know, you. I just can't wait, wait to get up on a Saturday morning and start scrubbing the door. If that's you, white <laughs> would be probably right up your alley. But if you don't want to be doing that and you don't want to be dealing with the disappointment of, boy, this always looks dingy, always looks a little dirty, then go with something that's got more color something to it. Something that's not you white. You don't have to go to a dark color. That doesn't mean that. Just anything with a little more color will help you. And it's also got a secondary benefit. White does not hide very well. Right. When you put just white on, it just it takes more coats to right. make that work. If you go with something that has even just a small amount of colorant in it, that has colorant helps much more hiding. Power. Oh, much more hiding power, and it's just going to be easier to work with, easier to keep clean. So think about that. Last mistake that we're going to hit: choosing colors without considering your surroundings. I think this is pretty basic. 
pretty straightforward. That's why we did bump this one to the last. When you look online, this is like first one. So maybe we really messed up in our decision here. <laughs> but I really feel like most of us look at the overall surroundings of the house, the area, and we choose a color that's going to work with that. Keep those things in mind. Keep your siding in mind, of course. The trim in mind, of course. The roof. That's maybe one that sometimes people forget about sure. a little it's bit. Sure. not right adjacent to the door. But I think most people consider all of that stuff. The bigger things would be landscaping, yeah. hardscaping. Plants. You know, take a step back from your house. I've got the perfect situation. I've got one eye that is extremely uh, nearsighted, and the other one is pretty good. So it kind of balances me out. You know, I can see right. distances, and I can see up close really well. They work well. But the other benefit is if I close my good far-distance eye... Oh, everything my, gets blurry. Everything is blurry. So I can stand back and look at my house with my one eye, my blurry eye, and I get the overall color. It all blends together into one overall color. Right. So I can see what the surrounding of my house really looks like as a singular color. So another thing would be, imagine taking a black and white photo of your of the front of your house. Mm -hmm. If the door color, even if, say, the door color is lavender and the siding is tan, if you took a black and white photo, they looked like the same depth of color, it's probably not a good choice. It's better to have more contrast, light, dark. Yeah, so get an overall view of the you know, the surrounding colors of your home. Keep your landscaping in mind. We've seen people really get hung up on matching annuals. You know, oh, they've right. got a lot. They've got these annuals in flower boxes outside their front door. They want to match to that. That's all good. We can do that. And if they want to repaint the door next year, if they've got different annuals, that's fine. Just keep that in mind. Those are just annuals. Those are going to move out of there. Right. And probably don't get all hung up on that. Right. Keep those things in mind. Front doors. You can have a huge impact, small space. Minimal amount of work. Minimal, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so simple, such huge impact. If you're struggling with colors, stop out at any Repco Light location. We've got people that can help you who aren't emotionally attached to the end result. Right. You know, we talked about not asking for advice necessarily. You're not getting too much advice. Right. You can stop out at us. You can go with our opinion or not. We'll never even, well, we'll know because we made it, but we're not going to judge you or be upset about it. Bring so a picture. Bring a picture. And another thing that you could check out is Benjamin Moore has a color portfolio app for our phones, oh, yeah. for iPads. It's free app. And they've got a lot of different things on there. You've got all the colors that you can scroll through, all the different color Fandex and families and that's complimentary colors. All of that is really good. But my favorite aspect of that color app is that you can take a picture of a space. You know, generally they're doing rooms and stuff like that. And then you can, by a little manipulation, you can put your colors on the walls and stuff right. and see what different colors look like. I've had mixed success with that, but it is brilliant for front doors. Nice and Snap simple. Snap a picture of that, draw a rectangle around your front door, and start swapping colors out and see what it looks almost in real time. It's not perfect, but it's really going to be a lot of fun, and it'll get you much closer, and then you can start sampling a couple of colors and go from there and get the perfect color. Right. All right. I think we've exhausted this topic. Okay. All right. And I, yeah, that's the end of the show. I already wrapped it, but we just want to thank everybody for hanging out, listening to the rest of the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You'll never miss another episode. And we'd love it if you'd go and give us five stars. Yes. Unless- the, Is that the maximum number well, of Well, that's stars? what I was just going to qualify. If you're at some place and it's 10 stars, please give us 10. <laughs> we don't want five. That would be just a lackluster review. <laughs> give us the best possible that you please, feel comfortable doing. Please. please. Yeah, it's America. Do what you want. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening.